We made it. 2020 is over and 2021 is here. You want to celebrate it a little bit, don't you? Put your hands together, clap, but look to the person next to you and just say, man, we finally made it. The new year is here. And if COVID's taught us anything this year, it's been about we have to grow through COVID and not simply go through COVID. And for each of us, I think when we hit the new year, we begin to do something like recalibrate our lives. We begin to rethink about where we've been over the last few months and begin to assess where do we want to go? Ironically, we started in 2020 with 2020 vision, right? Being able to figure out how we were going to see things and how we we're going to approach things. And we got a major curveball. And so what if we jump into 2021 with some intentionality? I mean, the reality is for each of us, we are in this together. We do not take this journey alone. And so as we reach out to those around us where we will live, work, and play, it's important for us to be mindful of what we will do in this year to come. Now, you may be an introvert. I may be an extrovert. But the way we're designed is to work together, to stretch each other, to grow together. Now, I know many of you will say, hey, you know, I like to go it alone. I like to do my own thing. But God designed us that when we would grow, we would grow with one another. Not that you don't grow personally or individually, but as we really want to expand our personality, our faith, our general life influence, it has to happen with others. That's the way the world is designed to grow with one another. And I've seen people grow quickly on their own, but I've never seen them grow fully unless they did it with others. And so we begin to think so much of that thought as a, a church leadership, that when we recast our mission, we didn't want it to sound like something we do individually, but something we do corporately and collectively. Our mission is this. It's helping each other follow Jesus. For every gathering that we have, for every group that we're a part of, as we give of our time and our talents and treasures, living as the church where we live, work, and play, we should be encouraging, cheering each other on, spurring one another on as we follow after Jesus. Each one of us should take our natural next steps of growth, but do it together, walking together, closely together, so that we can together live out the purpose of God. Each of us has a next step to take in 2021. We never stop growing in our faith. And so as each one of us takes steps of maturity and, and, and growth, we need to, to look at where we are. Whether we've been a Christ follower for five minutes or five years, each and every one of us have a next step of growth. So here's what our vision is as a church. Our vision for the church is 5,000 next steps in five years. 5,000 next steps in the next five years, 2021 through 2025. Now, this is a collective vision that each of us would take steps. Not that I would take 5,000 next steps or you would take 5,000 next steps or you or you or you, but that we would collectively take 5,000 next steps of growth together. Now, in order to do that, God's going to have to stretch and grow our church, uh, catalyze us all to work together. But as we begin to reach and equip and send people into our world that we're a part of, we will begin to see God build up this mission. Now, it's important for us to understand, though, 
that God is the one who sets the mission of the church. And through scripture, through things like the great commandment and the great commission, the church universal has a mission. We've just coined it in this phrase of discipleship, of helping each other follow Jesus. And God also sets the vision through prayer and our leadership, through our elder team and through our staff team, God has collectively helped us come to a point where we can have a clear vision of the kind of motivation and direction that we're going to live out as a church. But each of us have a part to play. And each of us are at different stages in our faith. But today we don't want to talk so much about uh, this vision. We want to look at our mission. We want to talk about setting a pace that follows after God. Now, one of my favorite quotes of an influencer in my own life was this. He would always say, speed of the leader, speed of the team. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. It's a great principle when you think about your household, maybe if you have kids, if you think about your work environment, uh, whether you're a boss or whether you're a worker, all of us have people that are watching us and could potentially be following us. And so for us as a church, we often think that the speed of our leadership sets the pace of our church. And the speed of our people in our church is set the pace of our community. Now, followership is what we're talking about. And there's a precedence for followership in Scripture. You know, when Jesus invited people to become one of his disciples, his phrase was, come follow me. We recognize that Jesus' discipleship model was not only taught, but it was caught. It was something that we watched and we'd follow after. Uh, Paul, one of the apostles of Jesus, he talks about setting this pace of followership. And literally, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. He challenges us to be imitators. And of course, the challenge or the difference between an imitator and an impersonator is that an impersonator gets the outward appearance or the mannerisms down, but an imitator gets the very character and essence of the person down. And that's what Paul challenges us is to be imitators of Jesus's character and Jesus's likeness. Paul also discourages us from just simply following people. That if we're following people, we should follow people who are emulating Jesus. And so even there's a conflict in scripture where some are following Paul, uh, some are following Apollos. And he says, we should all be following Jesus. That's the real leader that we should be following in our lives. That's why I always want to encourage us. When we talk about local church gatherings, there's only one person's church that we go to. It's the church of Jesus and not the church of Danny or any other pastor in this world that we're a part of. The model for all of us is to follow Jesus. As Christians, we are to follow those who are following Jesus, not just good leaders, not just influencers, not just powerful people, but the people we imitate, the people we pattern our lives after should be the kind of people that set a wake of leadership where you can clearly see the posture, the humility, and the influence of Jesus on their lives. I love how the Apostle Paul says this as he's talking to a church in Ephesus. He just simply says, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling, worthy of the calling that you have received. 
Uh, it's kind of like a sports illustration in a moment. I, uh, we get headed towards college football season. You know, we think about dynasties and great teams. And of course, the great tradition of Notre Dame uh, has a sign that says, play like a champion today. And you can think about your favorite sports team and their legacy. And each one of them have a followership of knowing those that have gone before them and those that are coming after them. And the moment they have right now is the chance to give of their best. So here's the tension. Here's the question we want to unpack for every Christ follower who hears this message today. Here it is. Are we living a life worth following? Are we living a life worth following? Meaning in the people around you who see your life, who hear your words, who watch your actions, who have engagement in your life, do they see the influence of Jesus in your life? And is it a life worth following? Are you setting a pace in your own life that points towards the direction of Jesus? Every one of us are at a different stage in our own personal walk. But collectively, we should all be following in the wake of Jesus' leadership. If you have your Bibles, I want to open you to a passage today out of 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians, there's this conversation that Paul is trying to lay out about what he does to reach as many people as he can for Jesus. He's cognizant, he's mindful of the fact that every one of us in the world that we're a part of have an influence to the relationships around us. And so he talks about how he leverages his life so that he might reach some. And then he begins to go into a description about how he lives this out, how he commits his life, how he leverages his relationships and moments to honor God and reach those around him. He talks about the kind of pace that he sets. Now hear me on this. So that this moment of challenge and inspiration that we're all going to be called to, we keep it in the right mindset. May we remember that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Because one of the great challenges that we all have of living out our faith is we have these grand moments where we sprint out as hard as we can and then realize maybe we can't sustain the, the journey. So the challenge for us is going to be this. As we hear these words, as we dig through this passage, will we begin to set a pace to daily live out our faith so that ultimately we're setting a pace that people want to follow, to know Jesus and have a relationship with him. Here's what the passage says, starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into, into strict training. And they do that for a crown that's not even going to last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, do not run like someone uh, running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want to take this passage and I want to unpack it kind of verse by verse and just kind of give you an image of what Paul is trying to describe in his journey of faith, setting a precedent or a pace for those around us. Verse 24 gives us a challenge of, of recognizing that every runner runs the race, but we should do it for a prize. We should do it for the prize, the ultimate prize. 
Everybody uh, in their day would think about this idea of running as the games that are played in the stadium, kind of like the Olympics. They would have these competitions where uh, runners would be a part of it, but there was this goal, there was this emphasis, and people would celebrate the runners, but ultimately there was a prize that they would head towards. They may be pursuing something like glory or fame or accomplishment, and there begins to be this challenge of motive. What is the motive by which we're trying to win? What is the prize that we're trying to accomplish? The goal for us in our understanding of there is a set of expectations. There are rules and guidelines of how we play this out. But ultimately, we need to kind of be the people that when we run this race of life through our faith, we do it in a way that wins the prize that matters. So let me just ask you a question. Can I do this? Let me just ask you this question. Are you prioritizing how you will grow your faith? If this race that we're a part of is a metaphor for our faith and living a life after Jesus, are you prioritizing how you will grow in your faith? Second of all, in verse uh, 25, Paul begins to talk about this idea about everyone who competes in the games goes into this strict training, right? Uh, They do it for a crown that will not last, but we do it for a crown that will last forever. Paul's talking about this strict training is not just the regiment by which he fights his faith or works out his faith, but he's also talking about an understanding of there's a strict diet that must be maintained. Now, I know looking at me today, you think he must be an Olympic athlete, right? Uh, Of course not. But we understand the principle that we are what we eat. And we know that diet and exercise go hand in hand in developing the kind of people that we need to be. And so, and when it comes to our faith, there should be a consuming of the very thoughts and things of Jesus so that our diet and our exercise would exude the very character of Jesus. Meaning that what we consume will be expressed in the way that we live out our faith. So if we're not regularly consuming what is of Christ, how will we ultimately live out the very character of Christ? Let me ask you this question. What does your faith, diet, and exercise consist of? When you look at your regular faith today, where you are, what is the diet and exercise of your faith? Verse 26 goes on to say, therefore, I do not run like someone aimlessly. Uh, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He gives this picture of somebody who's just kind of running through life, kind of just on a casual jog, enjoying things. No, there's a purpose. There's an intentionality. There's a direction that he is going in his life. He says, hey, you know, while there are those that do this, this is not what I'm called to. The exercise that I'm called to is something that I'm committed to. I'm convicted of. I'm convinced that this is how my life should be. I'm not running just for a sake of hobby. I'm running for a purpose. He's not shadow boxing. He's not faking like he can somehow box. He is training in a way so that when his opponent comes before him, he knocks him out. So here's the question. Is there a clear direction or purpose to your faith? Are you living out your convictions? Are you convinced of what you're pursuing? And are you 
expressing them in such a way that they continued to grow and catalyze on one another. The last verse just simply says this. No, no, I strike a blow to my body. I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul's describing while there's this direction and there's this purpose, there's these rules and expectations that the last thing he wants to do that in pursuing this prize is to be the very reason that he doesn't get there. He's living a life worthy of his calling because of what Jesus has done for him. He understands the responsibility and the opportunity to live out this privilege of grace. And so literally he talks about two pictures here again. One is that he beats his body. He goes into the strict training to make sure that when he is in the fight, his body can take the blows to endure. He even talks about making it its slave so that even in the most critical and difficult of images, he is trying to say, no matter the circumstances over me, I will perform the best I can. These are strong pictures. Here's the question that I think he's trying to ask us. Is my personal faith making a public difference? Is my personal faith making a public difference? Here's Paul's summary. Everybody runs, but Paul runs to win. Everybody commits, but Paul commits for the eternity, not just for the moment and things that pass. Some do it for fun. Paul does it because of its purpose. Some make it as a hobby, but Paul makes it his life's discipline, his life's work. God is calling us like Paul when it comes to our faith and the pursuit of having a strong, rich faith. He's calling all of us as individuals and a church to set a pace to win the race. Set a pace to win the race. When it comes to our faith, we must be the ones to set the pace so that the world might see what it looks like to know God, pursue God, and experience God in our lives. Now, clearly this passage is metaphorical. It's using this picture of a race and all of its training to talk about how are we going to approach our walk with God? What is it we're going to do? How are we going to live out this faith? You know, when I think about 2020, I, I just kind of have one general goal that I'm hoping for my life and for your life. And my goal and my hope is that 2020 left us humbled and hungry. It's my earnest desire that in all the obstacles and challenges, the victories and the losses of 2020, while we've closed that chapter, I pray that our heart is humbled and humble before God, that we've recognized how God is growing and shaping us and what his purposes are about, even in uncertain and uncontrollable moments. But that humility before God and others has now even more so made us hungry to live out this relationship that we have with God. So here's the question I think we need to ask as a church. How can we set a pace to win the race? How can we set a pace to win the race 
together. My life taking next steps, your life taking next steps, collectively, we're taking next steps of faith so that the world might live in the wake of Jesus's leadership. I think there are three things I want to call you to quickly today. The first I want to challenge you with is we need to evaluate your life. And just like if we were to head out for a race or uh, some sort of uh, marathon, whether it's 2K or 25 miles or whatever it may be, there is a direction, a longevity that we need to commit to. And our end line is to be faithful to God to our very last breath. We want to live in a way that our faith is continuing to grow and be stretched every day of our life for the rest of our life. One of the great quotes given to me by a, a friend of ours that's coached our staff a little bit, Jairus Duncan, he makes this statement, you've got to know yourself to lead yourself. And sometimes people do a, a general assessment. Maybe they do their personal RPMs, right? How am I relationally? How am I physically? How am I mentally? And oftentimes we check through our relational status, our emotional status, our mental status, uh, and even our physical status. But of the RPMs, the one that we have to really make our foundation is, how are we doing spiritually? How is our engagement with the local body of faith? How's our prayer life? Our Bible reading? How are we loving others more like Jesus? I think we need to evaluate our life and think through some of those things. Second of all, we need to be intentional. Be intentional. Nobody drifts to the life that they want. Nobody just kind of gets there accidentally. Oftentimes those that life happens to leads them to a path that one day they're like, this is not where I want to be. This is not how I want my life to go. And so it takes intentionality, a commitment. That's what Paul is describing in his training and his discipline, that there is a trajectory of pursuit after God that we must surrender our lives to in order to live out the character of God. We want to make the change that we want to become. Uh, There's a book called Influencers that really talks about how to assess the two values that can bring catalytic change amongst groups and relationships. Oftentimes you'll hear us talk about two things, whether it's a regular Sunday worship or whether it's daily Bible reading. Those are two very good beginning points. And so maybe you're sitting at this point of of being a Christ follower and you've just stepped into your faith. You're new to your faith. Those two primary first steps, regular weekly engagement with the body of faith, the church, and daily Bible reading are two great values to invest in. Maybe you've been growing in your faith. You've been a Christian for a little while. Maybe you need to take a a step of maturity and and prioritize connecting with a group that you would grow with others on a regular basis this season. Or maybe you're going to commit to giving regularly of your, your time, your talent, and your treasure. But every month, making sure that you are expressing your faith through those mediums. Maybe you've been a Christian for quite a while. Uh, Maybe you've been maturing for a while and you go to church, you read your Bible, you're connected to a group, you give of your tithes and offerings. But maybe it's time for you to step up and lead a ministry. Maybe it's time for you to intentionally disciple someone and bring them along in their faith. 
Third of all, surrender daily. Whatever you're going to begin to commit to, you need to make it a 24-hour a day, seven-day-a-week, 365-days-a-year commitment. Now, we all fall. We all fail. But we need to get back up. Every day our feet hit the floor, we must commit to following after Jesus. Every day we need to take time for the thoughts of Jesus, for the things of Jesus, so that we might live out the very character and nature of Jesus in the world that we're a part of. Paul is writing a passage to some people in Philippi, and he says this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, not that I've already obtained this, or I've already arrived at at my goal, but I press uh, to take on, to take hold of that which is in Christ Jesus that he took hold of. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and straining towards what is ahead, I press on for the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. I like how Paul says that. I've not, I've not attained everything. I've not accomplished everything. But doggone it, I will press forward towards Jesus to live in such a way that I'll take hold of that prize, the prize of eternity. Let's move to our time of response. You know, as we head into this time every week, and we're going to challenge you to join us, whether in person or online, every weekend. And one of the best ways to stay connected with us is going to be through our app. It's a gift to every one of us who are connected to First Christian Church to be the tool, the resource to help catalyze next steps of faith and to grow us all spiritually together. This morning, maybe you opened your Bible and grabbed your app and you hit the First Christian Church app and you opened up to Sundays and you recognize that there's actually an outline where you can fill out the notes from today's message You can send them and email them to you so that you can store them so that when you go throughout this year, you can look back on where God has taken us as a church. But at this point in time, this is our response time. And we use the app to respond for next steps of faith, for connection through prayer, and opportunities to to work together as a church. So maybe today as you heard some of these challenging words, you began to think about, What do I need to do? How do I need to live? Maybe for some of you, it's taking a next step of simply sharing a prayer request with us. Maybe for some of us, it's it's about getting connected to the very very regular rhythm of our church, whether it be through our weekly email or uh, signing up on our social media connections. Maybe for some of us, it's about learning to volunteer so that as we begin to meet personally as well, we're able to reach and serve every family, every household that comes in these doors whether in Champaign or Urbana. Maybe it's about figuring about who we're going to disciple over the next year so that as God begins to reproduce and multiply what's happening in Champaign and Urbana and online, we can begin to target new locations and where God may take us there. But the app is the best way for us to respond. It's also a way that in our discipline, we respond through our own giving of our offerings. And I will challenge you We could start this week of giving of our time and our talent to treasure. If if you've never given at all, you could sign up for uh, 
rounding up giving, where all the change that you use through your debit card or through your credit card can begin to commit to a certain amount each month, you begin to fuel some of the mission of this church, begin to prioritize some of the things. But the app is the best way to do that. To sign up on a connect card, to submit a prayer, to take a next step of faith, and to give of our time, and our talent, and our treasure. Last of all, in this response time, the very foundation of why we meet on a weekend is to celebrate what Jesus did. You know, of all the conversation of followership, of all the conversation of helping each other follow Jesus, it really comes down to, will we be the kind of people who will do what Jesus does? Well, in order to do what Jesus does, we have to look at what Jesus did. Are we willing to be the kind of person that, like Jesus, gave himself up as a ransom for many, came to serve and not to be served? He was the one who lived a holy and blameless life so that our sin that was held against us and the wrath that was due us by God, he endured on the cross. We need to be the kind of people who will do what Jesus does. So will we do what Jesus did? Will we humble ourselves? Will we surrender our lives before God? And will we set a place, a pace, of obedience and faithfulness to the world around us so that the world might know God's love. You see, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the pace that he set came to a culmination where Jesus took the bread and he said, you know, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he took the elements of the wine or the cup He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. It was a picture of what was to come. His death, his burial, and his resurrection for our forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Friends, 2021 can be a year like no other. But of all the values that we need to set into place, of all the priorities that we need to pursue, May our top priority be following after Jesus and helping each other follow Jesus as well. Let's continue to respond.